Welcome to Where You Are, a podcast that helps families and their children promote their mental health and wellness. We navigate important topics to meet you where you are in your journey. I'm Michelle Horn. And I'm Shara Black. This podcast is brought to you by BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre, a provincial hub for mental health and substance use information and resources in BC. On today's episode, we're exploring medications and child and youth mental health. When it comes to the use of medications for mental health challenges, families can have a lot of questions, and understandably so. For many families, this is uncharted territory. Today, we'll be exploring some common questions families might have. For example, is medication really necessary? Is it safe? What will the side effects be? The guests we have today are here to answer questions like these that you might be having, both from the perspective of a parent as well as a clinical pharmacist. Allison's a mother of three. Two of her children have had mental health challenges and access mental health services at BC Children's Hospital and in the community. Part of their journey involved being put on various medications. Dr. Dean Elb is the clinical pharmacy specialist in child and adolescent mental health at BC Children's Hospital. Since 2007, Dean has been advising clinicians, patients, and families about safe and effective use of psychiatric medications. Thanks, Allison. Thanks, Dr. Elb, for being here with us today on the podcast. Uh, we've been starting all of our episodes off with a brief mindfulness moment, just to calm any nerves you might have and settle in. Would you both be okay with that? Sure. Sure. Great. Okay, so this one is called STOP. So S-T-O-P stands for four different components of this activity. So I'll read them out, and then we'll take a moment just to follow along with the, the acronym. S is stop what you're doing. T, take a breath. O, observe your inner and outer worlds, and then P, proceed. All right, how are we all feeling? Excellent. Great. If I can start with Allison, can you tell us a little bit about your family's mental health journey and how medication became a part of that journey? I have three children, and two of them have had mental health challenges um, over the course of their young lives. We didn't know what was happening until it until it was a bit of a, a crisis, and then we realized that our children had been experiencing some mental health challenges, uh, and we just didn't recognize them. And then we realized, with the help of, of the, the mental health team, the doctors and, and others, that medication could play a role in both of their um, treatment. When you were presented with these medications as part of both of your children's mental health treatment plan, what were some of the questions or concerns that you had initially? So with my son, it was it was less of, of a crisis. So for him, it was really more the questions around like, does he really need this? Is it really going to help? For how long? And, and what does it mean? And what are the side effects? And with my daughter, who was in the, the CAPE unit and in, in the uh, long-term adolescent uh, unit, that was a bit more of of a of a crisis more so the first time we were introduced to medication um was really in a um, tough situation and so at that point we were more like something we have to do something so that was a little tougher and and that one i think was was our that was our first real introduction to, to medication and we didn't really under understand it so all of those questions again but but just more acute right like what does yeah. it mean for how long what's it going to do to her 
why is it really going to help? And does the doctor really know? And all of those things, right? Because it wasn't something that was we were familiar with at all. Dr. Alb, I'm wondering if you can comment on that from all of your years working and consulting with families. What are maybe the top three questions or concerns that you hear from families that you work with? Mm-hmm, sure. Those are all very common questions uh, that families have. When we created the medication teaching sheets that we publish on our Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre website, we're redeveloping those and we're, uh, we did a survey recently about what is the top information families are looking for. So our top three from that survey is the medication addictive. Uh, what are common and rare and serious side effects we should know about? And what do we do if we miss a dose of the medication? Those were the top three things that families told us. But uh, obviously things like how does the medication work? How well does it work? What is the basis for choosing this medication in the first place are all common questions people have. Not everybody um, comes to us as sort of a, a blank slate that they don't have medication experience. Often a lot of families have friends or family members who've been treated before. So you have to meet people where they're at in their understanding, whether this is all new or they have previous experience, maybe they've had good experience, maybe they've had bad experience, and to navigate that, people really want to know what to expect when they're starting a new medication. And that can be the scary part, right, mm-hmm. about the what to expect, because sometimes as a parent, you read in the sheet, and there's that list of, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. And it's sort of scary. So then the next question becomes, well, if that happens, then what do I do? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's where the personal counseling is important, not just the sheet by itself, but to be there to answer those questions, individualize the comments for the patient based on what you know about them and their history so that you can allay those concerns. So Alison, what helped you decide to include medication as part of your child's mental health treatment? Honestly, the doctor said to, right? I'm not the same person I now as I was then. So, you know, at that point, we were very, we were scared. And so if the doctor said to, um, we did, and we did meet with the pharmacist and the, and the pharmacist did go over the, the medication. But now, I, I really believe for, for our family that the medication was part of the the treatment plan. And I'm, and I'm not sure that we would be where we are today if it weren't for the combination of the medication and the support and the therapy to help us understand this is what this is, this is what it does, this is what it doesn't do. Because you, you don't know. And you're just doing your best. Another question that parents sometimes call the Kelty Center about with regards to medication is they worry that if they put their child on a medication, their child is going to be on medication forever. And there's sometimes stigma associated with that. So I'm wondering if either of you want to comment on that. It's funny because in the beginning, I just thought, okay, the doctor knows. But it's but why would mental illness be any different than any other illness, right? Sometimes the medication works and sometimes it doesn't. And then you just, then you try something else. It's the same thing. And as a society, we need to recognize that. One of the approaches one of our psychiatrists that I work with closely would take, would say to parents, if your child had diabetes, would you give them insulin? I know. And I would say, of course I would. Right. So why would you treat this differently then if there's a medication that has been shown to benefit? Why would you do something differently because it's a mental illness? To break down that stigma is so important. And it's time. Things evolve over time. People are becoming somewhat more comfortable with medication treatments, but they're not perfect. 
they don't work for everybody and there's side effects to deal with, right? So it's not always the only treatment we would use. I think it matters what kind of illness, how severe is it? Some conditions you do need long-term treatment for, like schizophrenia, bipolar mania, for example. Other treatments are limited time. So treatment of a depressive episode can often be time limited. I'm wondering if you can speak a bit more about when families are concerned about a medication's side effects or it being addictive, what, what you say to families that can help to answer those questions or concerns. So often it's a matter of figuring out what the concern specifically is and addressing them specifically. So sometimes it may be a misconception that can easily be allayed. Sometimes there's concern about long-term effects, which there's less information about. We don't have studies that run 15 years with some of these medications to be able to say what the ultimate effects on brain development are of using a treatment. We don't have that information or we have to infer from animal studies what might happen. So sometimes there's those concerns and we have to say we don't know. Right? Sometimes that's the answer is we don't know. Sometimes it's laying out, okay, if this happens, as you say, we do X. If X happens, we do Y, what the next steps are. And also that we can't predict with certainty this medication is going to work for somebody. We're not there yet. So sometimes letting them know that the studies say 7 out of 10 people will respond to this. If they don't, here are the next steps that we would take. Often those are things that give comfort to, to families to know that there are options. One of the things is around the side effects, right? And I think some medications can exacerbate certain feelings in the beginning and then it until it stabilizes. So really as a parent to really understand, ask those questions. Um, and then also ask about the side effects. And then I think as a parent, uh, you, you're allowed, to, <laughs> you're allowed to ask what are my other options? Are there other medications? And I think that when I was first starting out, I didn't ask those questions, and and I can. And I think that sometimes the healthcare provider, it, it helps that person too, f to have a parent that's asking reasonable questions. So what are the side effects and how long will they, they last? One question that I... Um, now ask, but didn't in the beginning is, you know, are there any things I need to follow up with my doctor? For parents who might, so medications, sometimes it's, it's brand new, there might be words they don't understand, there might be concepts that might be difficult because the, the information might be all brand new. Do you have any kind of tips or suggestions for for families. I had a black book I carried with me always because, you know, yeah. most of the time I, I would have no memory of the meeting, right? And I'd have to go back to my book and, and, and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wanted to ask this. And then you can write down your questions so that when you go to see your doctor or a pharmacist or social worker or psychologist, you can Remember all the questions that you're going to ask. That's a great suggestion to just write down your questions beforehand, because we, we hear that all the time at the Kelty Centre. Families get into an appointment and then they leave and it's just a bit of a blur, right? And they might forget to ask important questions that they wanted to ask. Dr. Alb, what do you think is important for uh, parents or caregivers and their healthcare provider to discuss when they're having the conversation about putting their child on medication? What are the common things that could happen, but also what are the risks of something more serious and, you know, rare, but possible that you need to know about. I think the questions unfold over time. The early questions, the amount of content we tell people about, we might simplify it a little bit in the first meeting. And then as things unfold, as we see how people do, there is so much information. I mean, if you look at 
a drug product monograph uh, and on average in Canada, it's 50 to 60 pages long of information about a drug. We can't download that all to a parent, right? So, or a family. So we have to boil it down to what's the most important things they need to know to start it. And then over time, things can unfold. I'm wondering if you could comment on other medications or supplements that the child might be taking and the importance of kind of having that conversation with, with families. It's important to know everything a child is taking, not only prescription medications, but over-the-counter medications, vitamins, different supplements. Most of the time, there's not a concern, but there can be with some of those products and how they affect prescription medications. I had one parent who was giving a child a product that contained activated charcoal. So activated charcoal is what's used in the emergency room to bind drugs if somebody takes an overdose, for example. And so activated charcoal taken with prescription medications will basically inactivate them. And so they needed to know if you're going to continue to use this, separate it from the other prescription medications by, you know, at least four to six hours to give it a chance to work or better still don't use this while, while we're treating with prescription medications. So it's important to know things like that some of these naturopathic and supplemental medications, a lot of the times they don't have good, strong evidence to show that they're beneficial. Also, they may not have evidence to show that they're safe. A lot of the times it's fine, but it is worth checking out to know um, so that you're not inadvertently creating a problem that actually may be causing a symptom that could be viewed as a mental illness when in fact it's a side effect of another supplement or product. So those are the things... I need to know when I train our doctors to ask about all things they're taking. Allison, what was your experience with both of your children around finding the right medication and how much? So that was a bit of a shocker too. When we started on this, we just thought, well, the doctor can fix it. They don't know everything. So um, we we had to uh, uh, understand that. And, and appreciate uh, that we need to be patient. And that's really hard when your child is not well. Like, it is really hard to, you know, hope that, okay, maybe this this medication will will work. And the doctor is, is prescribing that uh, on the basis of the information that, that she has in that moment. When there's side effects and things you need to watch for, that's pretty scary too, because you try medication, you watch for all these things and they don't see the improvement and then you have a discussion with the doctor and, and sometimes the child and then you try you titrate down from that and you titrate up to this and then there's a whole nother thing you got to watch for. That sounds like a very stressful process that you have to go through. And I'm wondering how that impacted you as a person, as a parent and the rest of your family. Okay, so I had to learn to be patient because I'm really not. And then I had to learn that, that there's no quick fix to this. It, 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 it makes the journey longer. So that impacts the whole family and the child. I think for the child and definitely for, for mine, um, you know, she, she got to a place where she thought no one could help her. And part of that was because she was very ill and we hadn't yet found that the medication that was going to work for her in combination with the therapy. And, and we hadn't found that. That's a hard thing to get to a place where you're not sure um, that somebody's or something is, is going to be able to help you. Yeah, I can imagine that being really frustrating and very difficult to be patient in that situation because you just want your child to be better. 
Um, yes, but you know, I wouldn't use frustrating. I would use scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just scary. Yeah. yeah. So Dr. Elb, hearing that, is this common that there's this process of having to try different types of medications and dosages until you find the right fit for that child? And how do you support families through this process, knowing that it can be very scary going through this? At this point, generally speaking, there's not a lot of ability to predict in advance how somebody's going to respond to a medication. We do use evidence-based guidelines based on the best science available. We use that as the, the basis for selecting treatments for initial treatment. And then we observe how patients respond, whether they have delayed response, if they have no response, if they have a massive amount of side effects beyond what's expected. We know the science says that if you treat for this long and you don't see an adequate response, you don't do it forever, you make a medication switch. Uh, But sometimes some patients have very unusual medication responses. You get to the third line treatment and you're still, they're still not well. And you have to sometimes get creative and go beyond what the science says, look at the mechanism of how these drugs work, try and put something together that's going to help. It can get very complex with, if there's multiple illnesses at play, multiple medications, medical conditions as well. You have to be patient. So you have to be patient when to select the medication, then you have to be patient as you have to wait to see if it's going to work. It's not exact. And that's hard. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned accessing support, being patient. Any other tips or advice through this kind of hard, scary process of finding the right medication? So some of our prescribers will provide tracking sheets that you can track response to a medication as well as uh, side effects over time. That's really helpful information to feed back to the prescriber rather than a, a sense of they're better or they're not. Well, what symptoms are better exactly and how severe or how, how much better are they? Also helps you not forget to mention something if you use that one of those uh, side effect and symptom trackers. So some of those are available on the Kelty Mental Health website for certain conditions. In terms of the tips, I think what you were saying about tracking the way the child is feeling, the side effects and that sort of thing, that's that's actually really important. And I think it's it's in addition to being good for the the mental health team, it can also be very beneficial for the parent, too, because you might think there's been no change. But then when you look back and, oh, she got out of bed this morning or well, that's that would be a big one in my world. But um, (laughs) You know, sometimes you miss those little things that you can celebrate. It can be very subtle, right? The initial improvement can be very subtle. Yep. Yeah. And that's so key, kind of focusing on those small achievements, right? To be able to find something that you can focus on that is that is good. I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit more about how your family is doing now. My daughter uh, just finished her first year of university um, away from home which six years ago, we weren't sure she was actually going to finish, you know, grade eight. That's been a huge, um, massive change for us. She's still on medication. She's uh, 19. So she's learned over these years what she needs to do to take care of herself. Uh, So she's doing, she's doing well. I am a big um, support for her. We are uh, in contact uh, multiple times a day, uh, even when she's away. She's home now for the summer, but even when she's away, I'm grateful for that, actually, uh, to, to still be part of her world and to be one of her core support people. And for my son, he's still in high school. And so 
he just had an appointment with his psychiatrist and they discussed uh, increasing the medication. So my husband and I and my son are currently in that place where really, and even though I'm, I'm here saying I think medication is very important, it has been very important to, to both of my children. I'm right there again. <laughs> really? Do we really need to increase it? Why do we need to increase it? And he would not be able to cope with, with his world right now if it weren't for the, the medication. Mm-hmm. Dr. Alba, question for you. Uh, we've heard some families are exploring testing to identify genetic factors that might modify their response to medications. Mm-hmm. So can you comment on this growing trend? How might this benefit families and what do they need to know about it? Right. So yeah, the, the genetic testing is a relatively new testing option that's become uh, more widely available recently. I'd say probably in the last year and a half to two years around here anyway. Uh, and it can offer some clues to prescribers and families about why patients might have unusual medication responses. They might require a dose of a medication that may be much higher or sometimes much lower than what uh, typical children dosage would be. And there's some genetic basis for why that is. There are different types of testing offered by several companies. In addition to the liver enzymes, it looks at genes that influence how drugs actually work in the brain. They look at, for example, densities of certain receptors for different brain chemicals or neurotransmitters, and that also impacts how the drug binds and acts at that location. And so that can inform choice of or against a particular drug as well. But there are several caveats I have to mention. So this is still relatively new. Many prescribers have not had enough patients with this testing yet to be comfortable with the interpretation of these results. And often the testing ability can race ahead of our ability to make sense of what the test results mean. You can use it as a tool and sometimes it can explain why somebody's had a poor response to medication. But I can't always take it to say, if you have this result and you take this med, you will have a a complete response to that medication. That linkage is not in place. So there's still much testing to be done. Evidence has to build to make that link. But when I've talked about it with patients and families who have used it, they said, really, you should let people know this option exists. Let them know about you know the drawbacks and the, the possible benefits of it. And then they can decide. They can talk to their doctor about, is this a possible option? If the listeners to this podcast have questions, I'd encourage them to start with their, their doctor, whether it's their pediatrician, their psychiatrist. And if they're not familiar with it, they can contact me. Uh, Dr. Dean Elb through the mental health programs at BC Children's Hospital. I'm happy to let their doctor know about the pharmacogenetic tests that are out there, what the options are, what the limitations are, so that they can be informed about it. And if our listeners have other questions related to not only related to the genetic testing, what other resources would you direct them to? First, I'd say start with your pharmacist at your community pharmacy. You can start with if you see a nurse practitioner, if you see a nurse mental health clinician that you work with regularly, somebody that you trust, your pediatrician, your psychiatrist, who you feel comfortable talking to. If they don't know the answer, they're going to move it up the chain to somebody who can help them find it. May I add one thing in the parent perspective? If you have a question and you feel like you're not getting the answer, don't give up. Look for another avenue. Because if it's your question, then it's a valid question, and 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 sometimes you have to, um, sometimes you have to push a little bit. There's an effective way to do that. 
Any other online resources that you wanted to mention, either of you that you felt helpful? I've certainly got one, and it's uh, the website called drugcocktails.ca. This is a resource we created here at BC Children's Hospital for use to get the facts about the risks of mixing prescription medication with alcohol and substances of abuse. We don't collect personal information. Uh, you don't have to log in or register to use it. You go to the website, type in the name of your medication, and you can get the facts about the risks of mixing that medication with one of 10 different classes of substances of abuse I gotta write and that. what the risks are. I've got a reminder card for you, even better. (laughs) Um, And you can also get general information about the different substance classes that are out there. And that's based on uh, resources from the organization Here to Help in BC. It's the first website of its kind in the world. It's been recognized by a leading practice by Accreditation Canada, and it was created right here. We've talked a lot about medications for kind of younger children or working with parents of younger children. But once those children become teenagers or young adults, that could potentially be a bit more difficult to know. Is your child taking their medication? What medication are they on as they move into young adulthood and then adulthood? So I'm wondering if either of you want to comment on that and how parents can support their older children who might be on medications. I think it's such a, a challenge um, that sort of the medication compliance and even getting them to go, you know, even getting them to go to therapy. Right. So it's 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 difficult. But I think as a parent, if you if if you can find a way to persevere and support that, this is the experience I've had with my children that over time they have come to realize that the medication and the therapy and the self-care is actually helping them feel better. It feels like it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling thing then, right? Like once they realize, oh, oh, these things are helping me. Oh, I'm going to keep doing these things because it's making me feel better. And if you can, you know, I, I don't have this all the answers, but if somehow you can get there, then then you get into this place where they're more able to take on those responsibilities because they want to, because it's, they got it. It's just... It's motivation, right? Yeah. To, to, you know, we use a technique, motivational interviewing sometimes. A lot of it, counseling has pertained to substance use, but it can be used for medication adherence too. So what are the good things about the medication? What are the bad things about the medication? Okay, how are we managing those? So how motivated are you to continue to take this medication? What's, you know, what's happening for you? And if you can catch that nugget of why they're motivated and why the, the benefits uh, outweigh the drawbacks, often they'll you can build buy-in that way over time. It, oh, it doesn't yeah. happen overnight. No, no. <laughs> over time. <laughs> Patience again, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do either of you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our, our listeners? The persistence to hang in there, to be patient, to find solutions. It may not be on the first try. It might be the third or the fourth try. Most of the time, for most people, you can get to some solution that's going to be beneficial markedly impact your life and make it better. I share that from a personal experience, like there is, there is hope. It was important for me to remind myself that I have to, to let go of the guilt or, or it's my fault or that kind of thinking, because this is an illness and there's many causes or factors that can influence any illness. So if if we as parents can remember that, I know that helped me and it helped me be able to look forward. Thank you both for those kind of final messages of, of hope. I think that's really wonderful. And we, we thank you both for your insights and expertise. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for thank inviting you. us. You can visit keltymentalhealth.ca for medication information sheets, monitoring forms, and more. 
You have been listening to Where You Are. If you have any questions or comments about medications or anything else that we touched on in this episode, please email us at keltycenter at cw.bc.ca. Where You Are is a free educational podcast. For each month's episode, go to keltymentalhealth.ca slash podcast and hit subscribe. You can also catch us wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you'll make us a go-to resource to promote your family's mental health and wellness from where you are to where you want to be.